You are listening to Just Truth with Apostle Dwayne on the Just Truth Network. Just Truth is a daily broadcast that looks at issues facing the black community. Join us to get a biblical perspective, detox from misinformation, and ground yourself in truth. Black America, I believe that you can have it all. Financial success, community stability, an enjoyable life, and more than enough money in the bank. If you know biblical success principles and tactics based on truth. Welcome to Just Truth with Apostle Dwayne on the Just Truth Podcast Network. My name is Apostle Dwayne Hughes. You may not realize this, but God is at war with all lies and every liar. On this show, I will share truth from the Word of God that exposes and destroys the lies and stereotypes that oppress black Americans and manipulate Christians while revealing wisdom to liberate you into the wonderful purposes he has for you and for your life. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you've done, or where you're at right now. God wants to partner with you and help you in your situation. So why not open your mind to consider what I have to say in the next 60 minutes? You may hear something that could revolutionize the entire course of your life. You got nothing to lose. So let's begin. Uh, welcome to Hawaiian Shirt Friday on Just Truth for Black America with Apostle Dwayne or for Black Community. I'm kind of changing up some things a little bit. So uh, it's uh, Just Truth for the Black Community with Apostle Dwayne a daily broadcast about a wide range of subjects facing the black community from a biblical perspective to help you detox from the misinformation and ground yourself in truth. I am Apostle Dwayne Hughes. So good morning. Uh, today is Friday or pre-Shabbat, uh, the sixth day of the week. And um, it's, uh, it's, you know, today's the fifth day of me doing the Just Truth broadcast. Now, uh, over the past few days, I have been covering um, things about truth, just, you know, trying to establish the, um, the, the main point that everything that we do and make decisions on should be based on truth because with truth you can have the right perspective to make right decisions and truth helps you cut through misinformation truth helps you cut through lies um, truth helps you cut through uh, slants agendas propagandas truth helps you cut through uh, tradition and and all kinds of things. And so truth is, is a standard that God uh, wants for you to uh, consider in all of your decisions, because uh, it's, 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 it's important. And especially one of the things that you notice about white people, or I notice about us is a lot of times we're like too honest. 
you know, when I say like too honest, um, there's a scripture in um, in Genesis <clears throat> when it talks about the flood, and it said that Abraham uh, said that um, that Noah, after the flood, you know, once they were back on dry land, he had planted a vineyard and and he harvested some grapes, and next thing you know, the grapes fermented, and, and he had alcohol, and he got drunk, and his uh, his one of his sons Ham came and discovered um, Noah naked in his uh, in his tent, and he came out and he told his other brothers, which was Shem and Yepheth, and instead of um, and I guess he was laughing about it and, and, and just, you know, that was a disrespectful act to, towards his dad. And instead of the other two in joining with him in that, they, um, they covered him, you know, and they didn't look on him and whatnot. And what I find is in that story is yes, he did get drunk. Yes, he was naked. Yes, he was exposed. But one of the sons reported on that in a disrespectful manner, and the other ones didn't. The ones who didn't, God blessed them for that. The one who did, one of his descendants received a curse from that. Okay. Now, in today's society, one of the things that you'll notice as black people is we're like ultra honest. Um, and I'm not saying we shouldn't be ultra honest, but what I'm saying is sometimes we can be just a little foolish. Okay. Like for instance, when you look at what recently happened last year on January 6th, um, where, you know, a lot of that side of white America, um, you know, they're willing to blind their eyes to the truth, to, 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 to hide from the truth and, and to, and to lift up you know, Trump's lie because they like Trump um, because it suits an agenda. And that agenda is them maintaining what they got, staying in the position that they have and nothing changing. OK. Uh, and, and broadly, you look at just in America as like when you talk about the history of this country, you had like the founding fathers to white America, most of them. You know, they just call them the founding fathers and, and they talk about how great a job they did in establishing the country, you know, establishing the Constitution and all these other things. And they and they completely skip over slavery, which was the fuel to, for the advantage that they had. You know, they skip over the laws that they wrote into the books, you know, and how unjust that was. They're still now uh, many of them don't want to talk about how unjust and how unlawful and unrighteous that system was because it benefited them. Okay. Now where us, where we're concerned, uh, here we are. And, and that's, that's like people who, you know, 300 years ago, you know, or, uh, in the 1700s, what was that? 1700s, so was 20, 20. Yeah. So it's 300 years ago, you know, uh, and they're not, and, and they're not willing to, to like broadcast, you know, well, they did this and they did that. But as black people, one of the things we do is we talk about in recent history, I've I, I met a lot of black people who, who benefited from the civil rights struggle and the, and the sacrifice of Malcolm X and, and, and Martin Luther King and, and, and all these people. 
And the first thing that comes out of their mouth is they want to talk about negative stuff regarding these people and their personal life. And 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 it's like it's it's it's, it's like a complete um it's a completely different perspective. You know, it's it's like it's 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 I've got to tell this regardless of how I'm benefiting from it and whatnot. And um or how I benefited from them. And that's, you know, that's talking about like Dr. King, Malcolm X, these are people from back in the 60s. But we don't just do that with people from back in the 50s and 60s and, and all the way back. We do that present day. Present day, what we'll do is we'll talk about and broadcast information about our parents. My dad did this and he had this many kids out of wedlock and my mother, blah, 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 blah. You know, here we are, you know, in severe lack. And, and, and when I say severe lack, a lot of black people are doing fine. A lot of us are doing well. You know, we got decent jobs, money in the bank. Kids are OK and, and stuff like that. Retirement. But when you look at the community as a whole, we are in a lot of trouble. There's a lot of people who aren't doing well. We have a high rate of incarceration. We have a high rate of of, of people dying from things that are are manageable uh, diseases, and and uh, we have a high rate of 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 poverty and debt and and stress and 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 so many things. We 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 are 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 beset with so many things that we're in trouble for and or, or, or trouble by i should say and um but yet we have certain places or certain things that we do that kind of add to our trouble okay and 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 it really it just comes out of you know just kind of a nature that we have where we are so focused on truth sometimes that we lack the wisdom to know what to say and when not and what to say and when and what not to say and when not to say it and so we are a people that are are just you know so focused on truth we are focused on truth we're focused truth is what we is, is a part of who we are. You know, we got to tell it. We got to say it. We got to do it. Now, what I'm saying is that is a good thing. And it's why God has given me this platform in this way is to give you truth. But there are some other things that we have lost that we also need. And it's wisdom, wisdom from the scripture, wisdom from the Bible to help us manage all the different hurdles and obstacles and things that we have to deal with. And that's the primary platform for this show is I'm going to speak to you on that thing that we have where we, where we want the truth and we got to talk about it, but I'm also going to share wisdom. So you can get a different perspective on what to say or not when to say it or not, how to say it or not, how to do it, how to think about it and these things. Now, 
understand that in in my ministry and in these broadcasts and these shows these are my opinions these are my opinions and 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 things that i have ascertained through revelation from the lord and from scripture and and i'm going to give it to you from that perspective now you have to consider that anything you hear from anyone me anyone else that you have to go that it's your responsibility to verify the information before you act it's your responsibility and i don't care who's talking to you for you to verify all information because god tells us to do that as a matter of fact he says even if an angel or somebody appeared to you take it to the scripture you know you have to know that what you're what you're uh, basing your life on is grounded in the truth and the and the only thing we have that is true is the scripture now um and i'm saying this because i'm, I'm just kind of recapping you know what has transpired over the past few days and kind of why and where my thinking is and whatnot mm -hmm. uh as far as uh this ministry goes and 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 i would encourage anyone who you know maybe this is your first broadcast that you're listening to i would encourage you to go back and listen to starting with monday or you know this may be i may be talking to someone um years from now you know maybe your first episode or something i hope that they will go back and and catch everything from the beginning because i've covered a lot of information to help explain the perspective of not just this show but just some things regarding truth and life and 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 our decisions and how we make those decisions and why uh, there's a lot of good information in those last four days of broadcast so so the the one of the things that i said i was going to cover today or that i am going to cover today is tithing versus giving and and money okay uh that's a very big deal uh, in the black community especially this needs to be spoken about because because um you know it's very important and it's and it's and it's on god's heart for you all right so i'm going to get to that and i'm also going to talk about some other things uh as well and and keep in mind so this is a new platform for me and i'm still trying to work out um and i'm still working out the different things that I'm doing and how I'm going to do it. And so you're in the process of watching this thing morph into being right before your very eyes. Uh, that being said, I'm hoping that the information has been impactful enough for you so that you can take actionable steps today based on what I have said. My, my platform here and one of the central qualities behind these shows 
is to give you actual actionable information that you can operate on in real time. Okay. And that's very important. We need quality information to make quality decisions and or quality information for, for the quality of the decision. Um, <clears throat> so let's talk about money. In Proverbs, it says, in life, there's an abundance of issues, but money handles them all. Not Proverbs, that's actually Ecclesiastes. And that's true. You know, for the most part, many of the decisions that you have to make are financial. Where you live, what you eat, what you wear, all financial. As a matter of fact, Discrimination, racism, disenfranchisement, slavery, hiring, firing, all financial, all financial decisions where there's a money aspect connected to it. Now, some things were not just financial, they were racial. Like, for instance, when you had in this country, there were laws on the books that said people who were this color could be treated this way and their rights could be um, uh, denied them. And, and all these things were formal written in the law based on the color of someone's skin and the condition, the, the condition according to the law of where they were or their where they lived or or who their parents were, the condition of the parents, were the parents enslaved or free, things like that. These were actual laws that are written on the books that were specifically towards us to limit our mobility, to limit our freedom, to, lib to limit mm -hmm. our upward mobility, to limit us, to put to impose limits on us, because if there were no limits, we could compete. Now, I want you to think about that. If I, let's say, were a superior person to someone else, I'm superior. Like, let's say to monkey. A monkey can't outthink me. There might be a big monkey that might be bigger and stronger and all that other stuff, but he can't outthink me. He can still be in a cage in a zoo like they are. We control them. There, there's nothing. But another human being is not a monkey. They're, they are competition. Now, if I'm a superior human being to another human being, then like the monkey, there's really nothing that monkey can do to get on my level. There's nothing that that monkey could do to get on my level as a human being. And so it would make sense that if I'm superior to the monkey, that I would give this monkey every ad advantage to be the best monkey that monkey could be because I'm not really threatened by the monkey, right? Well, as human beings, it's a little different. If I give you all the advantages, you can compete. And so that is why they came up with all these laws to limit our ability 
They came up with laws against you learning how to read. They came up with laws against us learning how to, um, uh, against us being able to, to, to associate. There were laws on your movement. There were laws on where you can go, what type of positions you could have. And there were all kinds of things. These limitations were placed in place because technically you had the ability not only to compete, but also to win. And so they put in place artificial barriers to keep you in a place. Now that was law. That's why those laws were on the books. As a matter of fact, if you can think about it, you know, the whole system was a system. It was a network of kidnappers and enslavers. That's what it was. This The whole system was kidnappers and enslavers providing uh, labor and providing sex slaves and all kinds of things for, for the benefit of others. And it was a community agreement that we will, as a community, keep these people in this position by law and then by physical force. And so we use the law to write it in stone, and then we use the physical force to make sure it stays there, okay? And so, but the bottom line is it all really came down to economics. It was, it was, it was dealing with money, okay? The, the, the reason that slavery was important was because it was profitable. Now, and I'm going somewhere with this, so please just follow me. And so... If you can imagine, let's say whatever job you do right now, I don't care what your occupation is. You could be making, you know, thousand dollars a week, hundred thousand dollars a month, a million dollars a year, whatever, whatever, ten million dollars a year, whatever, wherever your income level is. Imagine you get paid based on your ability to make someone else money. Okay, so like if you're an executive in a business. You're getting paid to help run the business in a way to make decisions that help help <clears throat> the business move forward and earn a certain amount of income. And you get a slice of that. Your your lifestyle is a, is a is a portion of that income that you generate. And whether it's a or a nonprofit or any type of business that you're in, any type of position that you're in, you're getting paid a portion of the money that you made for the company. Now, the company can't pay you 100% of what they make, of, of what you make them. If you make them $100, they can't pay you $100 because they had things that went into making that $100 that they have to deduct. And so they give you a slice. Okay. And so one of the biggest costs that, that, that companies have, and it's an ongoing cost, is labor. Because you have to pay those employees every week, every month, every year. You buy a piece of equipment, that equipment lasts for 10 years. Guess what? You bought it one time. You bought it one time and then it, and you didn't have to pay anymore on it. You may have had to do pay a, a technician to maintain it or parts and stuff like that. But you're not buying a million dollar piece of equipment and spending a million dollars every year. But if you got a million dollars in payroll, as long as those jobs are necessary, you're going to have a million dollars in payroll that you have to pay out every year. 
And so what slavery did was allowed these companies because that's what they were. You know, it was it was companies. It was it was individual farms, which is a company. It was corporate farms, which is these big plantations companies, little general stores or whatever. No matter where you worked, it was just a small company. And it allowed you to make money, but then keep the, the employees paycheck. That's what it was. It was the ability to have someone work for you and keep their paycheck. And so in addition to whatever profit you made from the product or service that you supplied, you also got the extra bonus of, of owning that person's paycheck. As long as you had them alive and they were able to live and, and provide that service. And then one of the things that no one talks about or it's rarely talked about is a lot of times the slaves, they didn't just have jobs that they did, or I should say not slaves, the enslaved people. One of the, one of the jobs that they had, or, or besides the jobs that they had during the daytime, many of them had to work at night. Many of our women had to work at night and the men too and the boys and the girls. It was a, a, they didn't have the rights to control their own body. They were raped, molested, all kinds of things. And it was legal because it, it was, it was legalized, I should say. And, and it was just extra fringe benefits of this system. And so there's a system that was put in place, an economic system that was underpinned by laws and things that maintain the system. And, and so it was economic. That was the primary reason. If it didn't make money, if it didn't allow this nation to, to buy arms and, and to be able to compete on a global scale products and, and things like that, then they wouldn't have done it. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been fruitful. But because it was fruitful economically, it, it was maintained. Now, the reason I'm bringing these points up is because if that was economic, then you have to consider that where you're at right now, whatever you're facing right now, whatever you're doing right now, these things, there is an economic component to it. There's an economic component now. There's not any laws anymore on the books that say, or not legally, that say you're a black person, you can't live here. It used to be in the law. The government wrote that law, those laws when, when it transferred a good portion of wealth to white America and intentionally outlawed us to be able to move into those, those places. It was part of the government law from the, from the presidency down. Okay. And it was, it was economic policy to enrich uh, everyone else and to impoverish us. That was, that was policy. It was written into the law. That's what the whole thing with redlining was. It was, it was economic policy. And so, and so here you had economic policies based on race that helped put us in certain places and keep us out of other places and, and to different disenfranchise us and, 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 and lighten our pockets while enriching everyone else's and, and putting you in a negative position as far as being able to compete. Um, now, that didn't happen to everyone. There were a lot of people who still found ways to compete and, and whatnot. And, and that's a different discussion. But the point that I'm making is these things were economic. Now, 
And the other reason I'm making this point is I want to say that those laws are no longer in place. Those laws that restricted your movement, that held you in a place and kept you from competing are no longer in place. Now, if those laws aren't any longer in place based on race, then what's really determining where you can live is not outside influence. It's your money. Now it's your money. Your money is the determining factor on what you can, where you can live, what you can have, what you can drive, what you can eat, what you can wear, and all these different things. And the lack thereof as well. The lack of money also determines where you can't live, what you can't eat, what you can't drive, what you can't wear, where you can't go, and all these different things. Okay? Now, that may seem like a simple principle or simple as like it's easy to understand and, and whatnot. But really, no, your limitation is your money. It's your money. Your money can determine the course of your life. Okay. And can determine the course of your children's lives and their children's lives. Okay. And so it's very important to understand how your money you know, what God has to say about your money. Now, I'm laying this backdrop because I want you to understand something. I recently read a book. Um, I'm going to cover that book in my uh, Your Money for the Black Community with Apostle Dwayne. Um, I'm going to cover that book. It was talking about there were black people who were who were millionaires um, really since back in slavery times here in this country or shortly thereafter. There was, a, there was quite a few that no one knows about. Our history gets repeatedly erased. Okay. And if they can do it, you can do it. But you have to have the money to do it. Okay. So let's talk about that. Do you have the money? What do you have? Now, one of the biggest issues I have right now on my heart is for black America, where there's some things that we're doing where we're picking our own pocket or we're picking someone else's pocket. And I want to start with ministry. I'm going to start with men. I'm starting with, with ministry where that's concerned right now you have a good portion of black Americans who attend churches tithing and then offering on top of that. And so not only are we tithing, but we're tithing on the gross. Now, I'm going to, let me explain where tithing came from, what it's about and, and why it's something we do. And then I'm going to talk about you know, what we're supposed to be doing. So the principle of tithing was first established in the scripture where, where Abraham, when after he had defeated five kings, this is in the Old Testament in Genesis, after Abraham had defeated 
um, five kings, was he four kings or five kings? Um, he met with the angel of the Lord and he gave him, uh, it was Melchizedek, it was the high priest in heaven. He gave him, and I, and that's really pre-incarnate Christ, but he gave him a tithe of all he had, gave him 10%. And Melchizedek blessed Abraham. Now, when Mel, when Abraham gave him that 10%, you have to understand, Abraham was already wealthy. Abraham was a multi-billionaire in today's money. I mean, he was extremely wealthy. I mean, he, I mean, he was extremely wealthy. He had he went to war. He took 300 servants that were born in his house. That's just 300 of the men. Just 300. It didn't say how many servants he had. He just took 300 of the servants who were born in his household, who were fighting men of fighting age. He had his own private army and he went and defeated five kings. This man was extremely wealthy. And so when he gave to Melchizedek a tithe of 10 percent, 10 percent of a billion dollars, that's that's a lot, a lot of money. That's 100 million but you still got 900 million. You can still operate. You see? And then there's just the 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 so there was the tide. And then there's the a lot of people talk about the seed. And there's the story of Abraham's son Isaac. And they say Isaac sowed his seed into the soil and that year reaped a hundredfold harvest. So Isaac sowed his seed and he reaped a harvest. And so they say, well, you know, so if you sow your seed into my ministry, God is going to give you back a harvest. A hundredfold up to a hundredfold. Because that's established as a, as a biblical principle. Another principle is later, 400 years later or so, a little over that. When Moses led the children of Israel, who were the descendants of Abraham and his son Isaac, when they had gone into Egypt, they were trapped there for 400 years and, it, and, and then God delivered them, come out of Egypt. Then God gave Moses what we call the Levitical, the law. He gave us the Levitical, the, the law of the Torah, you know, the five, the Tanakh, the five first five books of the Bible he gave us. And in those books, part of the law, part of the Mosaic law is that, you know, you have to take 10% of what you, of the, of the increase on your crops and fields and herds and things like that. You had to bring 10% to the, to give to the Levites. So now, Abraham had a son, Isaac. Isaac had two sons, um, Esau and Jacob. Jacob later became Israel. Israel had 12 sons, and those 12 sons were 12 sons of Israel. And those 12 sons and their families went down into Egypt during a famine, and there they stayed and grew into a nation. But they became enslaved and stuck there. And so Moses led them out by the hand of God. And then when he led them out, he led them out and then gave them rules and everything that established them as a nation and everything was from God. And so one of the things that 
you know, because it was a family that went down there, there's 12 sons, there's 12 tribes, each one headed up by a member of, of, of Jacob's 12 sons. And one of the sons was Levi. Levi was very righteous and, and God made him the high priest. Judah was like a king and God made him the king that coming out of those lineages. And so, and so when Abraham, when Moses led them out of the, out of Egypt, God said, set apart the tribe of Levi to be my priests. Only Levi could minister between man and God. And there was a list of things that had to be done and no one else could function. I mean, the Levites had to do so much that God just set aside this one group of people just to do things concerning God. And because it was so much, he, he set aside a whole tribe just to do that. And because they, 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 they just ministered, they couldn't earn an income like the rest of the tribes. They couldn't go plant and sow and, and reap and, and all the other stuff. They didn't have time for that. They had a higher job, a higher call to minister between God and man. And so and so and there was so many things they had to do that there was not enough time for them to do any other work. And so God set aside that one tribe to do all the ministering. And then the rest of the tribes would take 10 percent of their increase. And 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 bring it to God. And, and then when they brought their increase to God, God was within the Levites as a as a side effect of that. That was also the portion that the Levites got to live off of. And so this is how the financing of the um, the Levitical priesthood was established and the Levitical priesthood was in place up until when Christ came and. And one of the jobs and major jobs of the Levitical priests was that they had to offer these sacrifices for the people. They had to slay animals to cover the people's sin. But when Christ came, he paid that price. There was no longer a need for anybody to sacrifice animals. And then he also broke down the barrier. There was no longer a barrier between God and man that required uh, a priest. Now, now God wants to speak to you individually in your heart. And so he made us all kings and priests according to the scripture. That's the new covenant that was established by the old covenant, but 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 it was brought forth and fulfilled in Christ. So now that's why nobody sacrifices animals anymore. We don't have to because we got Jesus. God, that's like saying, God, I know that you gave me Jesus, but I'm gonna give you Jesus and two chickens. God don't need no no other sacrifices now there's no no other sacrifices necessary because we're no longer uh because christ fulfilled the law meaning that there was no there's no sacrifices anymore and and because he changed the dynamic of the of the priesthood and he created this new thing that was that is called the ecclesia which is the called out ones it's the church these people indwelled by the holy spirit now there's a it's a whole new paradigm that completely made the Levitical priesthood obsolete. But why do we tithe? Why do we tithe to take care of the high priest and the Levites 
when there aren't any Levites and high priests anymore. When there aren't, when there's not a, a, a Levitical priesthood set aside. So here is where the trouble comes. We have a lot of people who don't understand these principles and they're doing the wrong thing or the right thing in the wrong place in time. Tithing was, 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 you know, the, the, when you read like in Malachi, it says that the people were cursed for not tithing. They, they, they were robbing God of their tithes and offerings. Okay. But that was in Malachi. This is not in the old Testament any longer. We're not, there's not a support of the Levitical priesthood. And so, and he said, bring all your tithes into the storehouse. It was the temple. There's no temple there anymore. Now the temple is the people. Okay. And I'm going to get onto that in another message or really I've got a, a book coming out about the, the temple, but, but the point is the tithing was set aside to support the Levitical priesthood. And, and if you didn't tithe, if you, if you, if you took what God had given you the increase and you didn't give back to God, then everything you had was cursed. And so in order to not, for everything to not be cursed, you had to tithe. Well, Jesus already satisfied the requirement of the law. And so now all your stuff isn't cursed anymore. Okay. You know, the, he, he fulfilled the, the curse when he was hung on the tree. That's a whole other discussion. But the, but the point is, there is no longer the tithe and the curse unless if you, it, it, okay. And so, Again, now next week I'm gonna uh, when I when we do Bible study, I'm gonna do uh, on my Bible study podcast. I'm gonna go in depth on this, and we're gonna go chapter and verse, and I'm gonna show you in the scripture where all these principles are. Right now, I'm just giving you the Cliff Notes summary version, okay? Um, but according to the Word of God, now if you begin to try to keep the law. Not talking about the moral law. I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments. I'm talking about living under Levitical law that was fulfilled by Christ. If you're trying to, um, if you well, okay, let me take a step back. One of the reasons that the, that the people had to slay the animals is because they couldn't keep the law. They would always violate it. They would make mistakes. They would do things. They would. You know, it's just impossible. It was impossible to keep God's law. It's impossible. You can try. You're going to fail 100% of the time because it's just too hard. There was only one person. It was designed so only one person could successfully do it, which was the Christ. But everyone else had to slay animals uh, to, to so they can enter God's presence because they, they, you know, because of the sin in us. But Jesus, there was no sin in him. He had a divine nature. And so... Uh, he was the only one who could fulfill the law. And because of that, um, you know, by him paying it, he 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 satisfied that portion of the law. But there's still the requirement of the moral law. You still have to love. You still have to forgive. You still have to not lust. You still have to honor your parents. You still have to not steal. You know, all these things, you know, that you still have to honor God. All these things are still there. They still remain. The, the moral law is still there. But when we talk about 
doing the things that God told the Levites to do or the Israel that they had to do according to the Levites. If you go back and read Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, all in all those, you can see different rules. And there were hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of rules that these people had to follow. And it was a heavy burden and they couldn't do it well. And that's why they had to keep killing animals. But when Jesus came, he, he fulfilled the law. So we no longer had to do all that, all those rituals. Okay. But when you decide that I'm going to start to try and keep the law, I'm going to try and live under Levitical priesthood. Now you remove yourself from Jesus, the grace that he had. It's like you're telling God, I know you say sent me Jesus, but I'm going to give you Jesus plus me, plus my work. I'm going to work. I don't want to just get in on your grace. I'm, I'm, I'm going to work my way in. I'm going to be good enough. I'm going to I'm going to be good enough to keep your law that you'll have to accept me based on that. That's the way God looks at it. He doesn't look at it like, you know, because that's somebody trying to do too much. Like if I say, hey, you know, can you go take this to so and so? You know, here, take this, uh, take this across the street to so and so. And you go across the street and you go down around town, you go a bunch of other places doing a bunch of extra stuff that I didn't tell you to do. I was just wanting you to go across the street and come right back. Now you're all the way across town. That may not be a, a good analogy to explain it for some people, but the point that I'm making is it's not necessary. Now that you have the grace of, of Christ, you don't have to try to keep the law. What you have to just do is just be right with Christ. What he tells you to do, do. What he tells you not to do, don't do. But you got some people trying to keep the dietary law. They're trying to, they're trying to do all kinds of things that God is, has fulfilled through Christ that you that, that is not necessary. Okay. Now, am I saying that the law is bad? No. But what I am saying is once you start to offer a sacrifice, like let's say you decide, well, you know, the Lord gave me Jesus, but I'm gonna go uh, sacrifice some chickens too for my sin. Well, now, now you've you you've left you you forfeited having Jesus. Now you've gone back unto being under the law, and you're gonna fail. And and God isn't even accepting sacrifices anymore. And so now you're now you're you're back under the law and all the curses that come with the law. As far as judgment from God on your finances and everything else, now you're going to reap those penalties. And one of the things that the early church had an issue with was there were a lot of people who were grounded in the old thing. They just couldn't do the new thing. Uh, they were mandating, uh, let's say, the, the circumcision. Circumcision was given by law to, to Abraham. God told Abraham, circumcise yourself, circumcise all your sons on the eighth day. And, and the circumcision, that's the cutting of the flesh, the extra skin on the, on the foreskin on a penis. That's a that's a that's a that's a serious act. I got to do surgery. And 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 that was a requirement. And so that was one of those things that, that tied to a national identity. But once Christ came and fulfilled the law and was resurrected and whatnot, now. The uncircumcised people, the Gentiles, all the, 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 the nations that weren't not us, weren't from us, they they could now come in. And God wasn't telling them they had to be circumcised. But we have been keeping circumcision since Abraham. And some of the people couldn't receive that. 
some of the Hebrew people, they wanted to make sure everybody else had to get circumcised too. We had to get circumcised. Y'all got to get circumcised. They were trying to, they were trying to make them do things that they didn't have to do because God was already pouring out and showing, demonstrating by his acceptance of them and, and pouring out his spirit on them that they didn't have to do that. But the people who did go out and start trying to preach that, it, it caused a stumbling block because a lot of people were like, man, I got to cut my foreskin. I don't, I don't know about that. And so there, it was it was like a stumbling block. Because they were were trying to get people to do something God wasn't telling them to do. OK, and so they were being judged They were, And so and so what happens is if you leave grace and you go into just works. OK, now it's not there's a whole thing that we can talk about with grace versus works and, and whatnot. But it's 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 I do, I, you know, your car. Your car drives around on four tires and has a steering wheel because it is a car, not to become a car. I, I talk to people about God because I am saved, not to get saved. I, I don't go out and, and preach and, and everything to try and make it to heaven. I do that because I'm already on my way. This is just a, a conversation I'm having on my way. I, I'm, I'm already saved, which is why, you know, God opens a word to me and gives me revelation to share. But I don't try and get into the word to get saved. You got a lot of people who are trying to work their way into heaven and all they're going to do is miss. And in that and in that bondage that they're in, they're going to pass that on to other people, because once you leave the grace that Jesus already paid for you, now you got to work your way in. And so I'm saying all this because I'm trying to lay groundwork. But now let me go ahead and tie it together. And again, when I go into Bible study with Apostle Dwayne for the black community, Bible study for the black community with Apostle Dwayne. When I go into that, we're going to break this stuff down and so that you can see it in the scripture because that's what you need. You need to see it for yourself in the scripture. But here's the thing that I want to tell you, that just, just to give you the Cliff Notes version of this. If you tithe, you're now back under the law. And you can expect that you're going to have trouble. You can expect that you're going to have financial trouble. You're going to have financial stress because God don't want you to tithe. He, 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 he's not saying don't give. But he's not telling you to obligate yourself to right off the top 10% of your income. And then another half of that for offering. So now you're giving 15%. Okay. One year, one time I remember I was in a severe financial trial and I was looking at TV and next thing you know, this televangelist comes on and he talks about sowing a seed and, and whatnot. And I only had a little bit of money and, and I needed a lot of money. And so, but I did have enough to pay a couple bills. And I watched this guy on TV and he talked about the principle of sowing a seed. And he talked about there being seed time and harvest time, as long as the earth remains, which is what it says in, in the Old Testament um, there after Noah. And then he talked about Isaac sowing his seed into uh, his soil or into the soil and reaping a hundredfold harvest. And he was like, 
and talking about how he he was able to sow a small seed and break the back of poverty with the small seed and whatnot. And and that if I took the step, the faith, the step of faith to sow a, a, a small seed to, to their ministry, God was going to bless me, you know, because God had given them, him this ministry to do that. If I supported him in that, God was going to turn back around and bless me. And then he, he used the one where it says, if uh, you if you if you bless a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward and all these things. And so now he was giving me actual scripture. But some of it was taken out of context and it was misused and manipulated. And so I'm going to tell you what the revelation is on this. When you see people say this, if God tells me to do something. If he's telling me to do it. He's not going to say. Dwayne, I want you to go do this. And I want you to tell everyone else they're responsible for paying for it. That's not how it works. If God gives you the vision, he gives you the provision. Don't let someone tell you that it's your job to support their vision. The only way that you know is your job to support their vision. If God tells you it's your job to support their vision. Hey, you go give this person this. He does that. He will speak to you and tell you, you go give this person this. But if it's their if it's, if he told them to do it, then it's their responsibility to get the provision for it. Okay. Uh, the second thing, Isaac. It said, you know, um, Isaac took his seed. Well, first let me go back to Abraham. Abraham was wealthy. Ten percent to Abraham was a, a drop in a bucket. You. Um, you know, you might be broke and I'm going to, let me talk about this in two things. There's, there's just one that they talk about when Jesus was looking at the people who, um, were bringing money and, and, and putting it in the offering and he was watching the offering. And then there was this old widow who came and she only had two pennies and she put those two pennies in. And he said, this woman has given more than any of these other people because what she gave was all she had. You know, God cares about how much you've got. And he knows that if you don't have a lot and you're doing something for him, he esteems that highly. But that wasn't telling you that if you don't have anything, give the little that you do have. That's not what he was saying. It was saying that he esteemed that highly what she was doing. But he wasn't telling people who are already broke, give your last. That's a manipulation. And you got a lot of people out there who are heading up ministries knowing that they're telling people who don't have any money to give the little bit that they got. Okay. Then you have um, where it says Isaac sowed his seed into the soil and that year he reaped a hundredfold harvest. And so if you sow your seed into my soil, then you're going to, God's going to bless you back, you know, 30, 60, a hundredfold. But wait a minute, whose seed Whose soil and whose seed did Isaac have? Isaac sowed his seed. He took his money and he sowed it into his soil. It was his land. And that year he reaped a hundredfold harvest out of his soil. He didn't take his seed and sow it into someone else's soil 
expecting a, a blessing. He didn't take his money th that he had to to invest in, in crops and put it in his neighbor's soil. And then he magically just re re reaped a hundred hundredfold harvest out of his own soil. That's not the way it works. You don't go get money out of the bank that you didn't put in there. Unless you're going to go to jail for doing it. You can't go withdraw money out of the bank that you didn't put in there. Now, if you put money in there and then, and then the money uh, had grew interest and stuff like that, that's one thing. But if you're a bank robber, you know, if you didn't put the money in, you can't get it out. That's the law. You know that. But a lot of times what we're being duped into doing is by charlatans who, who do not hear from God and some well-meaning people who've been trained in the wrong things. They're 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 asking people to do something that God doesn't want them to do. Don't tell people to give you everything that they got to support your ministry. If God has called you to do a ministry, he'll give you the provision. And if he lays it on someone's heart, that's one thing. But if you actively manipulate people to take their money so that you can live. Um, another thing. So they take the, the Levites. They were, God told the Israelites to give the Levites the best of the best. Because, you know, he only wants you to give him his best, your best. And then of the, uh, uh, you know, so the tithe was your best stuff, your best tenth you gave. And then the... Um, the 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 high priest got the best of that of what you gave the best of the like the, you give your good 10 percent and then uh the high priest gets the best out of that 10 percent okay or him and his family and so and so what these people are doing also is telling you that these that the pastors and and leaders are are like the high priest they deserve to have the best of the best of the best of what you have because they hear from God. Well, if you look in the scripture in the New Testament, again, I'm going to go through the Bible study with this. Um, you'll see that the, the, the apostles, the early church, they said, man, don't be worshiping us. We're your brethren. We're at the same level as you. It's level. It's flat. You got Jesus up here and then everybody else is flat. Don't be worshiping us. We don't need the best of the best. We we God is going to bless us. Now we're all kings and priests. But if God puts it on your heart to give something to someone's ministry, he tells you that's one thing. But if someone's telling you, you got to give me your best. That's something different. If someone's telling me you got to tithe first, you don't have to tithe. If you don't have the money, if you got an electric bill. And you got uh, some uh, a ministry that needs help. You pay your electric bill. If you got something left over, you give it to someone else. Now, and 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 this is very important because if you don't have money to sow back into your field, how are you going to have a harvest? Okay, so uh, I'm I'm getting close to my hour, but I'm 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 going to run over because this is important. Uh, I laid a lot of groundwork to get here, but. But while I'm here, I'm going to stay in here until I get 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 this stuff out. But um, another thing, back when I was in high school, uh, I, I had an economics class, and at that time, the nation that was the best in the world at at saving 
on a consistent basis out of their annual income, it was Japan. And it's, it was said that the Japanese culture, the Japanese society as a whole, averaged of saving about 15% of their income. They, 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 you know, they were putting that aside for retirement and or maybe investing, whatever. But, but what we're asking people to do, Christians, is to, is to, is to give 15%. You got a lot of poor Christians who are giving more than what the the Japanese society, who at that time was the best. I mean, there's other ones now who do different. But but the bottom line is you're asking people we're we're picking people's pocket to the tune of of what the best country in the world is uh, uh, at some one point in time was saving. This is going right out of their pockets and, and nowhere near their bank account, their retirement for their kids or anything else. And you got a lot of people setting up these multi-million dollar ministries that require that kind of uh, finance. Now, it's one thing if, if the people want to go to a nice church building, they want to have nice facilities and all that stuff. There's a price that has to be paid. All that stuff costs something. You, you're supporting that. You're supporting the 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 facilities and everything that you're going to and all that stuff. If you got the money to do that, fine. Or if, you know, it's your choice to do that or not. Okay, but what I am saying is that money, that fifteen percent, we're telling people to give fifteen percent off the gross, not the net. So now you've got the difference between the gross and the net. So let's say you you make um, $1,000 a week. And let's say after taxes, you bring home $800. People are being told that your tithe is off the gross, not what your net is. Because there was a law in Israel where, uh, you know, the governors, you didn't, you know, you didn't give the governors better than you gave God. And so, and so, you know, your gross, if your gross is a thousand, then you tithe a hundred. And so we're telling people to tithe a hundred dollars off of a thousand dollar gross, but eight hundred dollar net. So what you're actually telling someone to tithe is that's a hold on, that's that's not ten percent. That's 12 and a half percent. So you're giving a tithe of 12 and a half percent. And then if you're giving another offering of 5%, again, off the gross. Now you're giving 18.75, almost 19% of your take home income and tithe and offering. And then you got all kinds of special offerings that people are giving. And so here we're 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 putting a burden on people that God didn't tell them to do. As a matter of fact, he told them not to do it. You're not to tithe. If you're not to, if we don't have to get circumcised to get to heaven, you don't you do not have to tithe. 
God is not requiring you to tithe. It says give as you have received. That is the new level. You give as you have received, not out of obligation. Because if your heart's right with God, when you you may not have to give right now. But later on, when you do have, you might give more. But when you put a burden on people, you know, and, and now, so part of this, I'm saying to the people, the other part, I'm saying to the ministers, you're going to be judged for that. Your ministry is going to be judged by God for requiring people to tithe, period. That is a sin. Do not ask your members to tithe. Do not ask anyone who's following you to tithe. Tithing is illegal, according to God. You don't need Jesus plus two chickens. None of their stuff is cursed. If they're in Christ, everything they have is sealed. And he's their God. He's their king. You're a co-laborer. If, if they're being blessed by your ministry, then let the Lord put it on their heart to sow to support it as they have. But as the if, if if the job of a minister is to help the people get strong, get whole. If you do that and they go from, you know, uh, when you met them making, you know, uh, you know, twenty thousand dollars a year to through your uh, help, they, they get to 50, 60, 70, 100 thousand dollars a year. I, I can promise you they're going to pay. They're going to they're going to bless you and your ministry so you can support your family and your life. Now, I'm not saying that ministers don't need finances. They don't need money. But what I am saying is that if your ministry is requiring you to, excuse me, to manipulate people so that you can live, then you, you don't need to be in there. And God didn't call you to do it. You got a lot of these guys buying jets and, and, and living in mansions when their average member lives in, in the projects. There's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. You're not supposed to do that. Moses, when he led the, the children of Israel out of Egypt, they went from being enslaved to being wealthy. That's the anointing and the leading of God. You know, when someone is helping you go from being in a low situation to a higher state out of the revelation and knowledge and wisdom of God, that's, that's ministry. But when you pick people's pockets... And manipulate their traditions and 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 a bunch of mess you're going to get judged for that and there's a lot of pimps in pulpits because they can see the scam they can see all these unwise believers who are easily duped my job is to help you not be duped my job is to tell you this is what the word of god says so that you will know when you're talking to someone who's trying to take advantage of you and that's what we're supposed to do we're not supposed to be ensnared and manipulated. God didn't tell you to do that. You know, the early church was so shrewd. The, the Hebrew people were shrewd. You got to be shrewd. God didn't tell you to be stupid. He did not tell you that. He said, I send you out as sheep among wolves. Sheep are food to wolves. He said, you shall know the tree by its fruit. That means look. You got a lot of people now. They have these doctrines where they say, you know, you know, don't 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 listen to anyone say something negative about your pastor. Now, now, 
first of all, uh, I agree that is you know the scripture says you need two or three witnesses you know before you can you know bring an accusation against an elder. But if you got the two or three, you need to listen. They're not above reproach. But what some people will try and do is manipulate the scripture so that you don't look. You know, I mean, there's more. Um, I mean, there's more I could go on. But but the bottom line is you should not tithe. You should not tithe. And the only time you offer is when God lays it on your heart and you have it. But if you got bills to pay, you got a family to feed and things like that. That's your responsibility from God. You can't ignore that. It's in the scripture. It's in the scripture that you have to provide, pay your family, pay your bills, meet your commitments. And so, you know, the bottom line is God wants you to, to, to have excess. But how do you get how do you get excess if you give away your primary support that, that's for your life? You can't you can't get excess. You will be perpetually broke. So. Um. The bottom line is do not tithe any longer. Do not take it to the scripture. Uh, again, when I uh, on, on my Bible study show, we're going to we're going to go through that more. And I'm going to give you the chapter and verse so that you have them. And so that you can go before the Lord and pray about it. But if 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 you have commitments, your job is to manage them. Your job is to make sure you got you got to be you got to you know you got to do whatever you have to do to make it. You have to you have to make it. You have to provide for yourself, and out of your excess, you have to take care of everyone else. Okay, so so please hear what I'm saying. You know, start to understand and and take control of your money because um, because the the issues that we have. Now, there's so many walls that have been broken down. Now it's it's up to you. Now we we have to change the tactics. Now we got to start getting back to being shrewd and wise, um, according to the scripture. And again, I'm not saying everybody's not wise and shrewd. And nobody is wise and shrewd but me. I'm just saying that for the masses, you know, there's things that we need to do uh, as a people to get to solid ground. And so you have to do that. It's your responsibility. It's no one else's responsibility to support your life but you. And God's going to hold you accountable for what you do. Okay. So that's this episode. I said I was going to talk about uh, tithing versus giving. And, um, and well, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me just say one thing. There's a revelation that the Lord gave me. And I'm going to share this to you with you, and it's kind of quick. If, well, let me start out by asking you a question. If you're sick and bedridden, let's say you can't get out of bed. And then I call you and say, hey, so-and-so, my car is broke down and I'm stuck in the middle of the street. Can you come help me push my car out of the street? The answer is no, you can't. You have to have the ability to stand. If you're bedridden, you don't have that. You have to have the ability to walk. If the bed, if you're bedridden, you don't have that. You got to have excess strength to push in order to help me push my car out of the street. I'm talking about physically. 
So no, you couldn't help me physically push my car out of the street. You might be able to pick up the phone and call somebody, call AAA or whatever. That's a different allocation of resources. You see, you can't help anyone except out of your excess resources. If you don't have the ability to stand and walk and push, how are you going to have the ability to help me push my car out of the street? You can only help other people out of your excess. If you got the excess time or ability to make a phone call or or pay for someone, a tow truck or something like that, now you're taking other resources that you have and allocating it. But if you didn't have the money or the ability to do that, guess what? You couldn't do that either. You can only help other people out of your excess. That's a law. And so understand, you, you do not have to do things that you can't, if you can't pay your bills, how are you going to help someone else? You have to be able to pay yours first, take care of your family first, and then help other people. Okay, so uh, if if nothing else, hopefully for some people who needed this, who needed the someone to tell them you're being taken advantage of, who needed someone to tell them you know, this is not right. God is not telling you this. If, if that's what you needed, I'm glad to have provided this for you so that you can now say, no, this is not right. I don't have to do that. Now, are there some ministries out there that could use some help financially? Yeah. If you got it, give it. If you give what you can, but make sure you pay your bills. Period. And if if God is not providing for them to do that without everyone going broke, then then there's something wrong with that model. They need to fix it or change it. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is manage your life. And then out of an extension of how well you do, then you can help other people. And on that point, you know, you, that's why one of the reasons why the wealthy people have so much influence. The wealthy people have so much influence because there's so many broke people. But if everybody had what they need, that would nullify that over influence of the wealthy person. I hope I'm making sense to you in this message. But um, in any case, I've given it to you. So those who've seen it. Uh, and share it, you know, um, this is the this is coming from the word of God. And again, next week on Bible study, I'm going to break it down further. But but these are the kinds of things we need to talk about in our community. We have to, uh, you know, God has sent me to help our community with revelation uh, from the word of God. Some of you may know some of the stuff I'm saying. That's fine. If 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 I have a policy personally, if I hear someone say something that I already knew, I just take it as confirmation. I'm grateful that they shared it because I might not have known it. But if they didn't, if they did, if I didn't know it, then then that's something great. But if but if I if if they say something that I already knew, then that's just reminding me something of something I already knew or confirming it. And so I'm fine either way. So if I'm saying some things that to you that you didn't know, uh, great. If I'm saying some things to you that you already knew, great either way. Okay, 
but my job is just to communicate. So in any case, so I'm signing off now. It's been a, I've gone over by 15 minutes, but um, hopefully the message has spoken to you. And if so, please like, subscribe, um, uh, leave a comment, you know, tell someone else. And um, we'll just see you uh, next week. So next week will be the second week of Just Truth with Apostle Dwayne. And, uh, and, and it's Just Truth for the Black Community with Apostle Dwayne. A daily broadcast about a wide range of subjects facing the black community from a biblical perspective to help you detox from all the misinformation and ground yourself in truth. That being said, see you next week. Thank you again for tuning in to Just Truth with Apostle Dwayne. We hope that these messages are ministering to you and empowering you to make a difference in your life. Please don't forget to subscribe to our RSS feed so that you never miss a new episode and don't forget to tell your family and friends. Have a great weekend and we look forward to seeing you again next week.